0: Coming up on Ministry in the Marketplace.
1: He got up one morning to go to work. She just was like, where are you going? And he said, to work. The next morning, same thing. Where are you going today?
0: That's a sample of what you'll hear from today's guest, Paige Kimberlin, co-founder of the Mid-South Love Home.
1: And she was like, wow. You know, she had just never seen a traditional family. She had never seen the role of a husband and a father. Ministry in the Marketplace.
0: Times are changing for believers. A new day, a new paradigm is dawning for Christians in the United States. The political and social scenes are shifting. Persecution looms ominously on the horizon. Political correctness overshadows truth. Compromise is preferred to conviction. Truth is blurred, vision declines, and individual liberty evaporates. Is the future all gloom and doom? Does this spell the end of the Church? Of course not. We serve a mighty God. His light has always shined brighter in the darkness. But it is a time to take a stand, to reflect Jesus Christ, and to make a difference. Where we live, where we work, in the marketplace. This is Ministry in the Marketplace. Real people, real lives, making real impact for the kingdom of God. And here with today's Ministry in the Marketplace is Reverend Richard
2: Hamlet. Welcome to the program. I direct your attention to the book of Acts, chapter 26, verse 24 through 29. Now, as he had thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king, before whom I have also speak freely, knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. Well, here we find the Apostle Paul, and he is in his last innings of his ministry. Now, he is on the way to Rome to eventually go before Caesar, the emperor of Rome, and there he would be imprisoned and he would be martyred for the Christian faith. He would be martyred because he was a follower of Jesus Christ and he was an apostle of Christ. Here we find him within one of the Roman governors' context. He's called King Agrippa in the English text I just read. But Agrippa was actually a governor over a region within the Roman Empire. They had districts and they had regions and all of those reported to the emperor in Rome. And so it was at this time that Paul was on his journey to be tried before Rome If you remember, the Jews had tried to kill him, and they were saying that he was a blasphemer, and just like they lied about Jesus, they did about Paul and said, Oh, Paul worships a god other than Caesar. Well, that was true because Caesar was the god of the Roman Empire at that time. Christianity was not legal, and this was in the early church time. So we see three observations I want to share that really flow out of verse 28, where Agrippa Said to Paul his response to hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. The first word is the word proximity. Now, when we think of the word proximity, we think of location. We think of some geographical area where it is a place where we go and we say, we are now there. When we travel somewhere and we're in progress on the road, we say we're in transit. But there comes a time where we say, we've arrived. We are in the proximity of our destination. Well, it's interesting here because Agrippa used the word almost. You know, that word almost has some positive meanings if we use it in ways where we're on a journey in progress and there are things that are positive happening. But dear friends, hear me today. What the marketplace needs is to know that almost is not good enough in terms of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not quite that makes it. It may work in hand grenades. (laughs) It may work in horseshoes. But in the gospel of Jesus Christ, We must not only be almost in proximity to Christ, we must be in Christ. Christ must be in us. You see, Judas was almost there, wasn't he? He walked with Christ and ate with Christ and talked with Christ, but almost was far from the kingdom of God. So here, Agrippa, after hearing Paul's testimony in Acts chapter 26, Paul was there before the great magistrate of the region, And God, the Holy Spirit, gave him the anointing to look him face to face and say, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Here is a challenge for you and I. In the marketplace, there are those who are upper class and lower class. There are those that are in different spheres of business enterprise and science and arts and so many that maybe intimidate us. But hear me today. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for each man and every man. And it's our responsibility to be a witness, a testimony. Paul gives a great testimony. A testimony is us testifying to Christ and what he's done in our lives and what he can do in someone else's life in a saving way. So proximity, almost, Agrippa said, you have persuaded me to become a Christian. If Agrippa did not repent after this time and he was not born again by the gospel, he would have all eternity, including today, going forward, where he's in a place under God's wrath because Almost does not cut it with God. It is all the way. It is all in. It must be all of Christ and His grace. So, that's the first observation. The second observation is the word charity. Do you notice here in the text I read, why would Paul be sharing his testimony within this marketplace? I mean, he was in a public court. He was in a public arena, if you will, where those who were accused would come and they would have an opportunity before the Senate. Think of our Congress today in like a Senate judiciary hearing or congressional hearing. And one is there sitting at a table and he is responding to the questions of our elected officials. Here, we did not have a group of officials. We had one man who had the option of putting paul to death or releasing him and so here's a man the apostle paul who on the road to damascus was transformed he was a killer of christians and he became one who would then give his life for others to become christians and here was the love of christ that constrained paul to share with this high civil leader that all the wealth all the prestige he had was not good enough that he had to turn aside from that and with empty hands cling to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. The charity here we see of Paul. Oh, may you and I have that love and charity for those who are being used of the enemy and who need to be saved. They're blinded by the devil himself. The gospel be hid. But here we see life in Jesus Christ through the gospel as Paul declared it in his testimony. The third word or observation is the word Identity. He says, almost you persuade me to become a Christian. Now, that word Christian, you know, we talk about that today loosely. What is a Christian? Well, simply it's a follower of Christ. We don't find the word Christian many times in the New Testament. You remember Christians were first called Christians during the time of the church of Antioch. And here we find the word Christian used by this civil leader. But we don't find that word much within the Holy Scripture. And so what does that word mean? Well, This is identity. And Grippa was saying, Paul, you're a Christian, and I've considered the claims of Christ, and Christ is in the word Christian, right? But I am not willing to repent of my sin and submit to Christ as my Lord. Well, here we see identity. So the word Christian means identity. Are you a Christian today? You can have the name Christian, but do you have the nature of a Christian? The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, Old things are passed away, but behold, all things become new. The Bible says, except you are born again by the gospel, then you are dead in your sins. Dear friend, are you born again in Christ? Do you have a new life? Is there gospel fruit that is coming from the root of Jesus Christ in you, your Lord and Savior? That is my challenge to you today. If you're a Christian today, truly a Christian, then your place in the marketplace is like Paul and like myself. Wherever God leads us, We are to be a sweet aroma of life unto life in the gospel of those who believe and of death in those who reject Christ. Today, I challenge you, dear friend, come to Christ. Be a true Christian, born again if you never have. Call upon him and be saved right now, whosoever will. God loves you. I love you. I persuade you like Paul persuaded Agrippa. But hear me, those of you who are born again by the gospel, You are now the mouthpiece, and you are now the agent to take this love of Christ to others who need to have a new identity, a new nature, and a new life. God bless you, my friend. And still ahead on Ministry in the
0: Marketplace.
1: We make sure that they have a safe place to live. They don't have to worry about where I'm going to lay my head tonight.
0: Our conversation with co-founder of the Mid-South Love Home, Paige Kimberlin, is next.
1: What is ministry
3: in the marketplace? In some ways, the answer is self explanatory, but defining the concept is essential to effective and efficient ministry. At GMF, we define it as a holistic approach to meeting people in the workplace, where they are, and guiding them to Jesus Christ. Learn more about ministry in the marketplace at gmfonline.org. That's gmfonline.org. Ministry in the Marketplace.
0: Today, our Ministry in the Marketplace spotlight shines on Paige Kimberlin. Paige is the co-founder of the Mid-South Love Home. Now, many years ago, Paige would be the first to tell you that she was one of those people who had a judgmental attitude when it came to single pregnant women and their circumstances. But as time went on, and the Lord so often does, God changed her heart, and He gave Paige an idea. He called her to open her home to young women who were in crisis situations and who didn't have anyone to turn to. And here with today's conversation is your host, Richard Hamlet.
2: We are blessed today to have Paige Kimberlin in the studio. Paige, welcome to Ministry in the Marketplace. Thank you. Well, let's get right to it because our audience wants to hear about your ministry. First of all, can you share a little about your background, where you grew up,
1: I grew up in Memphis. I lived in Memphis my entire life. Went to a, a little private school here and grew up at Central Church. Went to University of Memphis, Memphis State, back then. And I graduated with a degree in elementary education.
2: When did you come to faith in Christ?
1: When I was seven. You know, as I look back on my life, there are definitely spiritual markers where I see, you know, just radical things that God taught me. One, when I was in college and real involved in some Bible studies there and then another when I was 28. But I'm confident that that salvation experience was at the age of seven.
2: Well, amen. Let's talk about the mission and purpose of the Mid-South Love Home. When did God call you to start this ministry?
1: Well, God actually planted the vision in my heart back in July of 2003. We bought a home. We were in the process of moving from Collierville to take a job in Olive Branch, And we really decided that there wasn't a home for us in the price range and the location. And so we were going to just stay in an apartment. But someone called me and said, I found your home. And God so obviously dumped it in our lap that we bought it sight unseen. And so the first time we saw the home, we looked at it. And as I was walking out onto the front porch, God very clearly told me, this would make a great love home someday. That was 2003. I didn't share that with anybody for about five years. And then in November of 2012, God made it clear that now was the time. So there was a long period between when the vision was planted and when God actually called us to make it a reality.
2: Well, can you share more about the functioning of the ministry and how it works
1: Our mission statement is a family-style maternity home, meeting the needs of women in crisis situations. And the key to it is it's a family-style ministry. It is bringing these young women, these teens, into our home to live alongside our family. As they do that, they just become a part of our daily life as we seek to be a 24-7 support system for them. And so they live with us. We make sure that they have a safe place to live. They don't have to worry about where I'm going to lay my head tonight. We provide the meals and clothing, transportation to their prenatal appointments. And more than anything, just come alongside them and love them and give them a family to help them through this crisis.
2: So these are unwed, pregnant young women. Exactly. And you're reaching out to them with the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. And you're literally embracing them, and they're becoming a part of your family. Right. Wow, that is so exciting. Well, through the years, you've had different girls, young ladies that have come through your ministry. Can you think of one in particular maybe you could share with our audience where you were able to see transformation that God really used you in the process?
1: There's one in particular that I'd like to share about. She came to us um In a miraculous situation where she came across an old foster mom, and that foster mom was the doctor that told her she was pregnant. She was living with the baby's father and his mom and her boyfriend and his sister and her boyfriend, just not a really good environment. Um, He had pushed her down the stairs, and it scared her, and she reached out to this foster mom and asked for some help. And so she told her about the love home, and we were able to bring her in. She still sought so much love from that boyfriend, and we spent a lot of time talking to her and trying to mentor her and show her what the love of Christ looked like so that she could find her identity and her security in that and not trying so desperately to find it in this boy. One of the things that was so precious with her was watching her interact with my husband. We would finish dinner. We have four children ourselves, And so we would have dinner together and everybody would kind of disperse. But she would linger and stay at the table with Brad and I. And she just wanted to talk and she would listen to Brad's advice and his insight. And she never had had that. She was not raised in a traditional home. She was in foster system. And so seeing her embrace that advice from a man was really neat. And he got up one morning to go to work. She just was like, where are you going? And and he said, to work. The next morning, same thing. Where are you going today? And he said, to work. And she was like, wow. You know, she had just never seen a traditional family. She had never seen the role of a husband and a father And for us, that was really important as she goes into this process of being a mother and establishing her own home for her to have some experience of what a family can look like. She did pray to receive Christ while she lived with us, and we've seen some transformation through the years. Mm -hmm. We've been in relationship with her for a couple of years now and are staying in touch with her.
2: That's awesome. Well, we may have someone listening today who— They have an unplanned pregnancy themselves, and they may not be getting the support they need. What would you say to that person today?
1: Of course, I would love for them to come and stay with us and allow us to be that support system that they need, but I would really encourage them just to seek help. There are so many ministries to help people that are in or young women that are in these crisis situations, but just to realize that. Although this is a surprise to them, it is not a surprise to God, and He has a plan for them. Their future is not ruined. They can still write a future story. They can still accomplish the goals that they have for themselves. It'll be more challenging having a baby and doing all of that with a child and the responsibilities that come, but it's not over. And just to stick with it and to continue pursuing those goals.
2: I want to encourage our audience now, you may not be in this situation, but you may have, obviously, family members or friends or people that you work with that are going through this time of crisis. And so God has you in a place in the marketplace where, as Paige is sharing, that you can be used to be the hands and feet of Christ and share the love of Christ. Well, what is the greatest need of the Mid-South Love Home? Is it volunteers, financial support? How can people get involved?
1: Financial support would be our primary need, just to pay the bills, the different expenses that are incurred in taking someone into your home and providing for them. We also have people that do supply drives for us. We go through a lot of just household goods, toilet paper, laundry detergent, dishwashing detergent, personal products. And so we have several churches and individuals that help us in that way as well. You can find out more ways that you can be involved in in Mid-South Love Home by going to our website, www.midsouthlovehome.wix.com backslash mslh. If you Google Mid-South Love Home, you will also find our Facebook page. My email address is love home at gmail.com. So you can find out a lot about us just by Googling Mid-South Love Home.
2: Do you have a desire to see God grow this home? <laughs> your, your circle of do. influence?
1: We definitely do. Because we have seen when the girls finish at the love home, they stay around six weeks after the baby is born. They still need some shepherding. They still need someone in their life giving them some guidance. And we would love to see it expand to where we had a next step home where they yes. could live for a couple of years, still have our guidance, but be working on those independence.
2: Well, Paige, I want to thank you for coming by the studio today, and I'm going to give you one last opportunity to share something from your heart with the audience.
1: Well, we are just blessed uh, that God has called us to do this ministry. It has radically changed us as a family, as individuals Our desire is to help these girls and to be someone that will help them change their life, but in turn, they've changed us and blessed us in amazing ways. Our family has expanded, and I love these girls as they're my own daughter, and it has just been an honor for God to have called us to do this. We're so grateful.
2: Well, amen. Thank you for sharing
1: today. Thank you.
0: You're listening to Ministry in the Marketplace, and our guest today has been Paige Kimberlin. To learn more about the Mid-South Love Home, check them out on Facebook. Just search for the term, the Mid-South Love Home. And coming up next...
3: I fell in love with this guy who I thought just was the greatest thing in the whole world when I was 15 years old, because yes, he was a good person, but he was addicted to drugs. And you become not yourself when you give in to drugs.
0: We'll hear a story of the freedom that comes through forgiveness in spite of a painful past. Next on Ministry in the Marketplace.
1: Ministry in the Marketplace.
0: This is Ministry in the Marketplace. The radio outreach of Global Ministries Foundation. For those of us of a certain age, our teenage years may only be but a distant memory. But if you were like many teens, you had it all together, were wise beyond your years, and adult input was, well, why even bother? And if that describes you, you very likely made some pretty poor decisions along the way, some worse than others, but hopefully were able to learn from the mistakes without causing permanent injury. Well, our next guest is a young lady named Michelle, who made a few of those mistakes along her path, but she was able to sort things out with the help of caring people and God's forgiveness.
3: I made a lot of bad choices. I fell in love with this guy who I thought just was the greatest thing in the whole world when I was 15 years old. Um, He was 20 years old. So that would be a red flag to any sane person, but to a 15-year-old, it was awesome. I got pregnant with that man's child when I was 17. I homeschooled for the rest of my high school education. During all that time, I was on this roller coaster relationship with that boyfriend, and he had a drug addiction problem. And it got really, really difficult, but I really loved him, so I wanted to stay with him. You know, I wanted God to work it out, because every now and then he would come back to his senses and apologize, and it's all those little glimmers of hope that kept me kind of hanging on and wanting to make it work out. Because yes, he was a good person, but he was addicted to drugs. And you become not yourself when you give in to drugs. And at that point, in retrospect, that's where I should have went to God. I should have went back to those people who loved on me, who encouraged me, who told me I needed to be strong in the Word, but I went to drugs instead.
0: Michelle's life began to change with just one question.
3: There was a Sunday when I was pregnant with my son, Ethan, that my grandmother, the saint that she is, walked me down to meet our new pastor. So I'm waddling up there with my grandma. She introduced me to the pastor, and he shakes my hand, and he says well, how are you? And I say, the perfect Christian church answer, fine. And he looked at me and he said, no, how are you with the Lord? And I just broke because I had nothing to say. I had no answer. I had no clue where I was with the Lord. And that question started to really dig at me, really start changing my heart.
0: That's when she realized that God's forgiveness was her answer to everything she had been searching for.
3: His sermon on forgiveness, I was able to let go of all that that I was holding on to that was giving me an excuse to do these things, able to give that to God and able to say, so-and-so, I forgive you. I was able to just release that and the peace that came over me was just absolutely astounding and my heart was different from then on. Ministry in the Marketplace. And now with today's wrap-up is Reverend
2: Richard Hamlet. Well, dear friend, as we begin to close this program, I want to challenge you. Look again at the Apostle Paul as he stood before Agrippa One of the most powerful men in the world and definitely in the region where he was the governor in Rome. And I want to encourage you today. You may think you're insignificant. You may think that nobody knows who you are. You may think that you don't have the platform to be able to share Christ. Dear friends, every born-again believer, a true Christian, God is placed in a path of telling others about the great gospel of Jesus Christ and sharing with others how they can be made right with God because God first has reconciled himself to them through the gospel. God has come to the marketplace when the marketplace would never come to God. Dear God, I pray right now for each listener, I pray, God, that wherever they are, Whatever sphere of influence they're in, God, help them to see that like the Apostle Paul, they can be a testifier of Christ to those who are in the marketplace who are lost and without life. Father, what a great opportunity we have. And so I pray you would empower me, empower the audience as we go forth and advance in your kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingship of Christ. God, we pray that your kingdom will come on earth through our lives as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for listening to
0: Ministry in the Marketplace, brought to you by Global Ministries Foundation. GMF exists for the purpose of supporting Christ's church in Great Commission strategies and execution around the world. Our email address is mim at gmfonline.org. If you're on Twitter, you can follow Richard Hamlet. His Twitter handle is at Richard Hamlet. We also encourage you to like us on Facebook to keep up with the latest that's going on at GMF. If you would like to listen to this broadcast or catch up on programs you may have missed, you can find those available for you as well on our website, gmfonline.org. We hope you'll join us again next week when Richard Hamlet and Global Ministries Foundation bring you another edition of Ministry in the Marketplace.